I love these young warriors that are being released right now. How many say amen to that? There's this new breed. I was sitting under Paul Kane's ministry. Anybody know who Paul Kane was? Who he is? And he had a word years ago. I was sitting in the meeting. And he said, there's going to be a nameless, faceless generation. And I thought, Lord, I'm one of those. Now, that was quite a while ago. I've got a whole lot older than that now. 5016 is a whole lot older. You guys are trying to figure that out. That's 66 for you that can't count. But here's the deal. God keeps our hearts burning as a youthful, passionate carrier of the kingdom. I mean, say amen. Oh, man, you guys are way too quiet. That was, you got to soak up from what he said. And, and uh, I want you to get that. There's a couple of things I just want to say. I just so value everything that's been said because they're saying things that I would have said, but they're saying it a lot better. How many say amen? And uh, I, I love everything about it from, from Harold. Harold is one of my heroes. Um, you know, years ago, and I, and I had took the uh, liberty to get your book just to advertise. I don't know if this was the first book, but it was one of the first. Was that the first book you wrote? Um, I had just came out of a Baptist church uh, by the left foot of fellowship. Does anybody know what that is? You start pursuing God, going after the things of God that don't look like the book, you're not going to fit in the house. You don't have the synergy, so we're going to get rid of you. And see, we're in a new day where there's a whole lot of new breed, a whole lot of breakers coming on. Can you say amen? And uh, I grabbed this book. I'd, I'd, we just started a new church. We had a team of guys. I hadn't planted my first church. I was with a team of other men. And I got that book, The Complete Wineskin. And when I read it, I thought, man, that's kingdom stuff. That's what I think, except he wrote it a whole lot better than I can say it. And uh, for a long time, that book burned in me and still does. And I know I say this every time I see you, Harold, but you always inspire. You're a hero. This room's full of heroes. How many say amen? You know where heroes are always revealed? They're revealed in the midst of battle. I want you to think about that. See, we're fighting a different fight than we used to fight. When we were young, Harold, you know, our generation wanted absolutes. This younger generation wants possibilities. And the fact is we need to marry, and we are marrying those two generations together. How many say amen? And uh, I was going to say a lot more about myself and stuff, but I'm just telling you, I pastored for a long time. For 20 years, I started cleaning bathrooms. And I cleaned the church. And I became a deacon. And I became a teacher and a youth pastor. I love youth. I love seeing my youth catch on fire. I mean, say amen. I had the most radical youth in Redding, California. Before anybody knew who Redding was or where Redding was, they couldn't wait to get out of town, much less come in. It's right, isn't it, Harold? It had a hard heaven. It was one of the rottenest places you could ever live in the heavenly realm. Nice, beautiful country, but it was rotten. But see, God changes everything. How many say amen? I get too sidetracked telling too many stories. But I read this book, and I've always traveled as an evangelist. I used to equip my young people to go out and give the gospel away. I had a worship team. We started in a Baptist church. We didn't believe, most Baptists didn't believe you should have drums in a church because they're devil music. And then I started telling them, the piano started in the saloons. Give me a break. Are you with me? Everything that's on earth was made to glorify God. 
We just let the devil take it. It's time we took it back. We're re we're redefining the things we say, even revival. See, I don't think we're in a revival. I think we're in a reformation. I agree with Harold. Transformation. Both those words work for me. I understand what you mean when you say that. But the fact is we're in a reformation, which means there's no pattern for where we're going. And we've got to make it. How do we do that? As teams together. As people that work together, we've got to listen to each other, honor each other, and develop a culture that's totally different than anything we've seen in the past, but not throwing away everything we've moved into this level on. Can you say amen? Anyway, I'm trying to just get to this little piece of story here. I, I read that book, and I started realizing, because see, we always, try to, we always try to pour new wine in an old wineskin. And the fact is, you know anything about wine? I went and studied winemaking, man. I, I got rabid about it. Studied winemaking. I realized you can't put it in there. It's not because it can't hold it. It just can't hold it very long. It blows up. I mean, say amen. And uh, I realized that the early, early people, the early winemakers, put their wine in containers called a flask. You guys familiar with what these are? Some of you younger ones say, what is that fool talking about? But, but when I started looking at it, I realized if it breaks, if you cut it open, and I used to do this everywhere I went. I used to buy new wine. I might get this because I've had this one over 20 years. But I cut it open, and when you open that up, you'll realize it's the shape of a heart. And God is breaking the old wineskin to give us a new heart. Are you with me? Let this heart of him be in us, not the heart that we inherited, not an old container, but he's busting it open. And then I started getting a little frustrated. I always kind of look at things, and I meditate on things, and I started thinking, well, man, why should I throw away that old wineskin? And as I studied winemaking, I realized they can renew an old wineskin. I said, man, I, feel, I fit that category. You guys are way too stinking quiet. <laughs> I mean, I had a joke I was going to tell you about an old geezer and a young geezer, but I'm not going to tell it to you. But here's the deal. If you take that old flask, that old thing that's made out of leather, it's got a liner on the inside, which is a freshly killed lamb. The intestine of a freshly killed lamb was the early ways that they used to preserve and they made that wine to where it would expand with leather that was brand new. And I realized there's a prophetic statement in that, in that I've got to continue to kill the lamb, to let the lamb's blood be covered. Let there be a fresh revelation, a fresh impartation. But I don't have to throw away everything that was. But i got to beat it up. Because what I realized when I studied it, it said to use the old wineskin... They had to take rocks, and they had to beat it, and then they rubbed oil in it. Rubbed oil. What do you think has been happening over the last 10 or 15 years? The Lord's been breaking that old wineskin, been beating it up. He's been hitting it with rocks. What's the rocks? It's the rocks of generation. It's people who accuse us. It's people who hurt us. It are, 
It's disappointments. It's things that we've seen that we thought God would do, and it doesn't seem it's ever come to pass. But the fact is, God's been using it as an element to beat the old wineskin so he can put no oil in it and expand again. Can you say amen? And I feel like that's the hour we're in right now. When, when Rochelle asked me, take 30 minutes. Well, right there, I can't even say my name in 30 minutes. But I want to stay honoring to what's been asked, because I usually have about 10 closings. But here's what I want to say. That, that, that book, I realize, and I always say this to you, Harold, we've been friends a long time, and, uh, you know, Bobby Connors and Larry Randolph used to call us twins. That's an insult to you. You need to slap them next time you see them. But uh, I, just, I just inspired by that new wise can still realize we're in the middle of it. We're still doing it. How I many say amen? It's a wonderful day. And then um, just a couple of things. When she said, what's your passion? I love the prophetic. I love the word of the Lord. I love the fire of God. Baby, if you're going to get around me, you know, people would come to my meetings when I do meetings, say, when I pastored for 20 years, say, I want to join your church. You can't stay in my church if you don't want to burn. Amen, brother. Because I wasn't real pastoral. I was too edgy. Zach's a good pastor. How many say amen? But you know what? We've got great leaders all over this town. We've got great churches. It's not just happening here. It's all over town. Can you say amen? God's about to explode this city. The world's not going to go come here to get pleasure. They're going to get the kingdom and the love of God. Can you say Amen. <laughs> And let me just try to pull this down to what my passion is. And I'm going to try to stay in the context. I, want, I told him to turn the music on when it's 30 minutes. I'm stopping. No matter where I am. I'm just really honored. I want to honor where we're at. Here's what I'm going to say. I love the prophetic. How many have heard me before? Amen. Oh, thank you guys. You guys are real. You, you bad dudes, man. Hallelujah. But here's the deal. I just sense... But everything that I love comes from one place. And it's about the word of the Lord that I received from him probably 15 years ago. And uh, I was sitting in a meeting. And let me just preface this by saying this. Uh, everybody okay? I always kind of get the motor running. I'm always going about 80 miles an hour before I even get it idle up real good. But, but here's the deal. See, I pastored. I've done everything. I've pastored. been a youth pastor, a deacon. I've done all the stuff. And I know all the elements. There's nothing tougher than being a leader. But I tell you what, this is the one thing that I value more than anything. And this is what it is. It's what God told me about 15 years ago when Paul Cain was preaching in Reading. And I was sitting on the second row, and I'd been ministering to people all over. A prophetic had hit me, man, and I was, I was just giving it away. Because, see, my denomination taught that stuff died with the last dispensation. Somebody puked it out, and that's why the church is a nonprofit organization, because we killed them all. You guys just got it. The fact is, the prophet 
is the cornerstone along with the apostle to build the kingdom. And that's why the church has been so sick up until about the last 15 years is because we've never embraced or valued the prophetic. We wanted to make them evangelists or teachers or pastors when the fact is pastors are only mentioned twice in the New Testament. Now, I honor that. It's actually elder, bishop, overseer, all that stuff. I understand what you mean when you say that. I've been one, done that. Hello? We've got to realize God makes us stewards to facilitate the kingdom. But I was sitting there, and I'm just trying to be sensitive because I know I'm short on time, so I'm taking a whole bunch of stuff out. I had a lot of good jokes and stuff, too. Here's the deal. Michael, I don't know if you're leaving. Are you leaving? All right, come back because i got a word for you. But uh, 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 I was sitting in that second row. I want to put this context, and I'm sitting there. And I prayed for years. We had had a Baptist church. We'd planted two churches by then. And we'd seen God start doing things. And, and we did all the stuff like, like Russell was saying. We'd get the prayer meeting, put the organization. God wants an organism, not an organization. Organisms are messy. Come here, say amen. If you don't believe that, just have a baby. That dude's messy. Can you say amen? Oh, that's so sweet. Well, let that messy diaper come up in your face and see how sweet it is. Are you with me? I'm just, I'm just being real because this goes with where my passion is. I want to go where my passion is because I feel like if this is the only time I get to minister, I want to give this to you and I want to release an inheritance to you because there's an inheritance from what drives me. Are you guys with me? I'm not mad either. I just get loud. People get offended at being loud. Say, well, you're too loud. My dad yelled at me. You know what I tell them? Get the stink over it. Forgive your dad. Are you with me? <laughs> Help me, Jesus. I'm in, I'm in a crowd of a lot of radicals, so I feel good in here. I mean, I've just been hearing, I mean, Rob was off the hook yesterday, son. You did a great job, my friend. I loved it. God has done an amazing work since you've been. Not that you were bad before you came, but I heard you when you first came, and I'm telling you, you're not the same as you are as you are now. And I tell you, the hand of God's on you, and you're embracing the team. Can you say amen? Are you with me? Rochelle, you were off the hook yesterday. Great. Rochelle, you don't have to do 17 minutes, and she's over, and you got it. Can you say amen? Zach, let's the hammer down, let's the fire burn, and you got something to think about for a while. Can you say amen? And Harold always scrambles your eggs. See, this is the beauty of teams. I believe God's about to raise up teams of ministry like we've never seen. It's not about the one-man dog and pony show. It's not about one man's vision. See, I ask leaders wherever I go, what's the vision of your team? You know what every leader tells me? This is my vision. That's not what I asked you. How much relationship do you have with your team to know where their dreams are? And most churches, even the ones that's being blessed right now, God blesses us in spite of our spirit of stupidity. I'm not calling them stupid. But this one thing drives me continually. It's my passion. 
It's my passion. And I'm not going to read all Man, I wanted to read so much scripture. I even, man, my wife never seen me. I wrote down all the scripture. I was going to give you this nice little package today. Well, I'm just going to throw it out at you. Because, see, I call this the scripture that bridges the old to the new. And it's the book of Malachi for you Italians. Malachi for the rest of us Gentiles. And it says that God's going to take the spirit of Elijah, the prophet, the prophet, and he's going to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the fathers to the children, lest they be stricken with a curse. God's last statement of the New Old Testament was saying, I'm going to bring a generation that's going to break the curse because the spirit of Elijah is going to be upon them. And I, want, I got about 50 messages that I like to preach here. But I just want to hold that. I want to, see, it's never a preacher, by the way, it's never a preacher's job to make you fat with the preaching. His job is to make you hungry and thirsty. So if you go out of here and you start whining to everybody, well, that preacher don't Man, I've heard that my whole ministry. I've been in church all my life. I get so sick because the preachers always have this expectation. They've got to give 27 more scriptures. And the fact is, they're supposed to make you hungry and thirsty. Are you with me? <laughs> it got to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. The fathers to the children, that's to be stricken with a curse. And the curse is, this is what the Lord told me. I know that I'm going against what he said, but God told me, according to the principle of Scripture. And this is the principle of Scripture. The curse is a lack of identity. A father brings identity. And the most important passion for me is being a father. Everything else doesn't mean anything to me. A father is where my passion lies. It's where my gift dances. My prophetic gift dances on the father heart in me. The fire of God dances from the father heart in me. Are you with me? See, we've got... See, I, I, we had a little church when Bethel first started going up. We were the radical church. We were called the cult. Power of God was flowing. Nobody knew who we were in Reading. But, man, we had five worship teams in a little old church of about 200. But, man, you got a mess when you got five worship teams in a small church because you got all these emotions. Everybody's sensitive. Everybody's stepping on me. They don't play the music. Why don't you shut up and let the grace of God work with you? I know I'm messing with some of you. See, I got, I got the most anointed children in the world, but I've taught my children to be servants, not look for a place. And they go into churches, and churches don't, don't pull out the great gifts in them. But they serve with faithfulness, with wherever God places them. My daughter can knock the roof off any meeting she's in. I'm so proud of her. She's asked to play the piano in every church she goes to until they hear her sing, and they say, man, the glory's on her. The kingdom comes when she sings. And I'm going to tell you just an inside deal. When she was a little girl, I saw the gift I saw when she was five years old. She could sing little songs, Jesus loves me, and the whole church would be crying. Glory of God was on her at five years old. So we paid to have her lessons to sing and play the piano. And we went to a couple of recitals, and then after a couple of years, we kept going to recitals. I thought, man, she must be really good. We don't go to those recitals no more. And I asked the teacher finally, 
It was her same teacher that taught her voice as well as the piano. She said, oh, she said you was okay with her not playing the piano anymore because she wanted to sing. But see, God was preparing her for areas that should serve later on, even though her passion was to sing. Are you with me? And my son, I mean, I'm so proud of my kids. My, my daughter in heaven. Listen, I don't stand up here as someone who's just preaching a theology. I've had to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. My oldest daughter was murdered at 20 years old. 20 years, 10 months. Murdered. First church I planted. How's that what you were talking about? How's that work with you if you think you're in the will of God and your oldest baby gets murdered? I know this is heavy. That's why we wrote. I mean, I got all these books. My wife wrote a book on Never Forgotten. We got it in the back. It was her story. She quit living for three years. And it took her till we moved to Vegas six years ago. She tried to write this book for 20 years, and she wrote it in two weeks when she got here. Because I know it's about our destiny as a part of this city. It was about a worldwide breakthrough. Can you say amen? And I wrote... I know I'm kind of skipping around. I'm just going to share this. I wrote this first book called Burning Love. And, uh, and, and, I'll, and I'll tell you where, and I hope I'm not out of time yet. I want to read because I felt like God told me to share this with you. God told me by inspiration. <laughs> Got to be careful when you get all these guys around. Anybody know who Bill Johnson is? We've been friends for 45 years. I had the prophetic word why he came to Reading. He was happy in Weaverville where he had pastored for 17 years. But see, Bill loves the prophetic, and we were friends, and that had a little bit to do with it as well. Can you say amen? And you know history's changed because Bill went to Bethel. And it's not about Bill. Bill's a team player. Bill releases people. Everything doesn't dance on Bill, but his vision partners and engrafts with everybody that comes around him. I believe that's the way teams are built, that you engraft. But here's what Bill wrote. I'm going to just read this a little bit. He says, I've known Wendell McGowan for over 30 years. This was a while back. And I am thankful to be able to call him friend. There are very few men that I know whose heart burns for God and his people like Wendell's. He is also a rare individual and that he is a prophet that is known for love. He has faithfully guarded the prophetic calling, even in the midst of misunderstanding and loss. He pursued growth when there were no models to follow. And now, as a seasoned man who is both prophet and senior pastor, which I was at the time, he pursues the full demonstration of the love of God in and through his life. His heart literally burns for nothing less than worldwide revival released through the prophetic. And I just... He said some more things. That's where my passion is. I want to be known as a prophet of love, not a prophet that's exposed your dirty shorts. I want to be a prophet of love. How many say amen? Some of you need to be, worship people need to be readjusted because worship people have a tendency to be prima donnas. 
They're gifted. we got to get from the gifting to the character that God's trying to put in us. One of the things I've seen with this present move is gifts started being distributed that I had to labor for 20 years to get. And these kids get up say, yes, Jesus, and man, they're more anointed than what I am. Come on, are you with me? I hope I'm making some sense here. Because I'm trying to share in my heart. I was going to give you a nice little package. And I'll t- tell you what. 1 John 4.20 talks about how can you love God when you don't love your brother or sister? And I'm saying this to every ministry, every leader. You get ticked off. And Russell, you're, you're identifying with this as being the lead. You can, see, you can be the, the greatest second man in the world, but you don't know the fire till you get on top. And you've got to learn grace at a new level. And every time you get mad at somebody, that's the opportunity to receive grace. Grace you don't ever need for something you've ever conquered, already conquered. That's why God keeps causing stumbling blocks to get in our way. I mean, say amen. Scripture says the anointed one, the Lord Jesus, was a stumbling block. So that means... By interpretation, the only way you get a new anointing is to have something that trips you up, that makes you angry, that you can say, take this job and shove it. Anybody heard Johnny Paycheck's song? Only us old timers, huh, Harold? Now here's the deal. I feel like, so I wrote this book on burning love, and this was a weird thing when I wrote that one, and I had... I'm in the middle of writing a new book. I had a seven-hour encounter in heaven, and it was, I saw the colors, and, and my wife wrote a book. This one here was talking about definitions of color. They mean things. It's got prophetic significance. You're not fitting with the right people if you don't know what your colors mean, if you don't identify with Joseph's coat. Anyway, that's a whole other message. But she wrote that book off of that. And then I wrote another book called The Unfolding, which when Todd Bentley started to work. The Lord showed me. Even though there was a great miracle working move, the Lord said, it's not going to ride on one man. And it wasn't long after that before he fell because God didn't do that to judge Todd Bentley. God was doing that to release faith for the whole body of Christ instead of just letting one man do it. Anyway, that's that book. Am I all right? Who wants to see what I did this book? I did just a simple thing. See, Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. How do you do that? Father's not on earth. He's in heaven. He's in the third heaven. And if we can do greater things than Jesus did, means that I can go to heaven anytime I want to. Not for just some crisis or some big prophet's got to come through town and lay hands on you. And the Lord showed me just a simple way for people to go to heaven. And I activate people all over the nation on how to go to the third heaven. Anybody want this book? First one up gets it. And uh, it's one on burning love. I'm going to get, I think I'm going to get within a half an hour context. But, but this burning love, I wrote this book. I first called it The Unfolding because it was an unfolding of God's love. And uh, I was off ministering to some other places. And I came home one Sunday, and I was in the middle of a split. That's a good way to welcome you home as a pastor. 
And so I, I was grieved by the Lord. Some of these people have been with me 10 or 15 years. And then the Lord showed me, you're going to start releasing the Father's love. And when I did, I lost about half the church again. Because the church at that time was not ready to receive the unadulterated love of the Father. And they thought ashamed. They thought I was preaching a heresy, and they left the church. How's that for a validation of a new revelation? So who wants this book, Burning Love? I'll let her. She came up here last time. And uh, this book is about my wife's journey. What are you doing? No, you keep that. You keep that. Linda, I told you when you were walking in yesterday, the hand of the Lord is on you. I can always hear it from Harold. Harold's always honored you, even when you're not here. But I believe it's a new hour for you, and everything you say won't be a clanging simple. It'll be the sound of heaven, the symphony of heaven. There's something that's going to happen with you because it's the year of the bride. This is a new day for the bride. Thus, hairy-legged dudes, see... If me, as a hairy-legged dude, can be a bride, you can be a father. How many say amen? Now, here's the deal. I'm going to try to just pull this around. I'm really trying to. i got so much cooking, and I'm not going to be able to get the fire out. So here it is. This book on colors. Uh, this is when we tell the story. When I first I had a seven-hour encounter in heaven, I left Vegas one one day going on a trip by myself, and I said, this sucks. My wife always rebukes me when I say that. And, uh, but, but, but here's the deal. I was saying, Lord, I hate traveling because I always travel with teams. I like to model teams. I believe teams is the hour we're in. Let me say amen. With a leader, with always a father, but there's a teamwork. And I was on my way out, and the, you know, it's beautiful here in Vegas. Unless you live here, you don't understand the beauty. Am I out of time? Uh, I tell you, give me, give me a five-minute warning when we get there. I, I, I'm, I'm, you've honored me, Zach, and I want to honor you, son. But here's the deal. I, got, I took off out of, out of Vegas one morning. I said, Lord, this sucks up by myself. And I heard the voice of the Lord said, really? You guys didn't get that. I said, oh, Lord, yes, you're with me. And all of a sudden, he took me to heaven. And I stayed in heaven till I pulled into Reno which is seven hours away from here, going down a one-way street the wrong way. That's when I came to vision. And, and I'm still unfolding. I'm writing a book right now on this thing because I'll tell you one of the things I saw that I'm going to share right here that just, just gripped me as I started to see the whole symphony of heaven. I started seeing all the colors. I started seeing people line up and they were dipping their buckets and they were translucent buckets. And every time they walked under the throne, they got it filled and everything had a mixture of color and all of them were different. Can you say amen? And I saw the angels. I'm not going to give you the whole deal, but i got to give you this much so you'll get some faith to see where we're at. There was angels standing alongside, and it was like a choir, and their eyes started to open, and, and their fire started to get greater on them. And every time somebody would get a bucket of that water, they were loved ones. And see, I always measure this by my daughter who's in heaven. Whenever I go to heaven, the Lord lets me see my daughter. 
But what she was there amongst some other ones that I saw. And I saw them get that bucket, and they were thrown on the earth. And you know where it was landed? It was landed on all the worshipers. Worshipers. And every color was an identical color to the loved one whose friends and family who were worshiping on earth. Can you say amen? This matters so much to this vision. But I tell you, it's really changed the way I look at worship. Worship isn't just something we do to hope God's presence comes. It's to prove and to release angelic hosts, to release an army that's going to fill the earth with the fire of God. Because angels are ministers of fire. Are you with me? And I saw them, I saw the angels as soon as the water hit the hearts of the people who had their hands up worshiping. The angels took the the torches of fire and the water that hit them became the fuel that caused the worshipers to be lit on fire. And the earth was being filled with new fire. I wasn't going to preach this, but I think this is a crowd that will take it. And I tell you, the Lord took me back to the scripture where it says the Lord's coming back. And it says his hair is white as snow. Thank God he's got hair, huh, Harold? I mean, I'm looking at these guys like Rob. I said, Lord, I always got to suck up my offense. I don't like the way that looks. And the Lord said, shut up. They didn't like the way you looked either. And some of that expression is, is, is just a manifestation of what they didn't like. Anyway, that's just a side issue. I love it. See, grace is always to love people that you normally don't have a grid work for. I'd always tease Zach. I don't like them red pants, son, but he wears them the next week three or four times till I get rid of that offense. <laughs> I love it because he loves me and I love him. He loves me as a father and I love him as a son. <laughs> and I bet you will. And I'll wear them, baby. Don't think I won't. You're going to see some of the britches I wore in the 60s. Come on, baby. My hair was down in there. I really had some. And it was curly, too. It was awesome. But here's the part that got me. When the people caught on fire on earth, something happened to the fire that was on the angels. And they took that fire, and it was ten times greater than what it was when they left heaven. And when I looked back and I was viewing heaven, again, I'm going to have to write the book or tell the story more because I'm cutting so much out. But I kept seeing behind this wall when I was seeing all the people filling their buckets, there was like this transparent wall with images in heaven that were standing behind it, but they weren't moving. And as soon as those angels had touched the worship on earth, I heard the Lord say, this is the day that every generation has prayed for. This is the generation that's going to let all things fall on the earth like I've intended from the beginning. And when those angels went back to heaven, they would take that fire and they would touch it like that screen right there. And it looked like all the family members would touch it and they were set free and would come from behind the wall and start to release a new sound of many waters in heaven. Are you with me? This is way bigger than I'm able to really unpack today. But I want to stay with my passion and with what God told me. I think that I share all the books. I'm not going to give your book away, Harold. But I tell you, you need to buy it. Harold is probably one of the most 
um, profound theologians is not a theologian. And I'm saying that as a compliment. He is educated and he is theologically sound. But he's not a theologian like we've seen in the past. He's a revelator of truth that's expanding the kingdom. How I many say amen? It's way before his time. This is the hour where you're celebrating. And your precious wife, I keep, I just see the dancing hands of the Lord all over you, Linda. God's, God's going to redeem what he's done to your family too. You're going you're to come and everything's going to flip. I don't know what that means, but everything's going to flip. It's going to be good, man. It's a new day because you've been faithful. <sighs> all right. I'm just about out of time. And here's what I'm going to say. Here's my passion. It's to be what was prophesied to be when I sat on the second row at Bethel Church when we first started breaking out before the world started coming there. Because you see, before that time, it was just six of us pastors along with Bill that were doing prayer meetings and started having Sunday night meetings and the glory of God started showing up. People were translating. We were seeing healing. Everything. The world didn't know anything about it then. And Bill loves revival and Bill's an abbot. We, we, we both had all this stuff. Every time I used to travel with Bill and every time it would come, you know, it was before computers, he'd have all, every prophecy he's ever had, he carried around in a briefcase. And what he did, he just would read those things to remind him what God said from the time he was about 10 years old. You see, and the Lord rebuked me because as a prophet, as a prophetic person, I never valued it as much because I said, easy come, easy go. And the Lord wants to value the prophetic because it's a weapon. It's fuel for a new day. Can you say amen? Am I all right, Loretta? She keeps saying, get to the point. Get to the point. I love my wife. This is my pretty wife over here, Loretta. My son-in-law, Mark. My friend, Ron, over here. Ron used to travel with Ed Savoso. He's been a part of the transformation, and now he's got whacked like the rest of us, and he's a crazy man. Can you say amen? He's an intercessor in this city. There's intercessors. Listen, don't just think it's my church. We've got to partner together, and I think that's some of the model. Michael, you've been well good at that, gathering the church together. But you're not done, son. You're not done. You just started. You did the first part of bringing agreement. There is a finger of God in you to see full-blown breakthrough of a new sound that's not just going to hit Vegas but the whole earth. It's going to happen, Mike. I so love you, son, your humility, your honor, your gift, but there's a grace in you to gather and to bring unity. Now, here we go. I'm going to give you this. I'm sitting here on this thing, and I'll give it just before I end. My, your name is Mike, too, correct? You know what I saw in you when you worship? I could feel your cutting edge. You got such a cut when you start to sing. And what I saw, the Lord said, you know, whenever I see a great hero fall, I always pray, Lord, Lord, bring restoration to the hero, either through them or another. Are you with me? Do you know who Ray Bolts is? He wrote the song called The Lamb. Okay? Now, he had a failure a few years ago. And everybody's ripped the music. I don't get that because the music was from God. I don't care what lifestyle he took. His music was from God. And I think we've got a great disservice to the body of Christ because we don't sing those great songs that he wrote. But I saw on you an anointing and a mantle that God was dropping on you to write those songs that has, that has long-range influence and effect. And he's going to redeem 
what he lost, you're going to see a new day, and you're going to raise up a lot of sons that will write that kind of music. Are you with me? And I think that's my cue right there. And, and, uh, but let me tell you what my passion is. I was sitting on the second row. See, I don't like to sit in the front because as a young prophet, I used to sit up front and everybody just dart that crap out of me. Every Jezebel spirit, every wicked spirit, every angry spirit, they hate the prophetic. If you don't think we're in war, then you try standing as a prophet in the house of the Lord what looks like good people and all the Jezebels will come up and start darting you. And I break that. See, I'm with you, Russell, when you said, what was that you said is just on their way? Something about the man. A Jezebel's on her way to being a prophetess. She just never had what I'm going to tell you is my passion. We need to honor each other. Even people that tick us off. We need to honor them. And it's from, it's, this is what's birth from this thing I asked God for. I was sitting on the second row. Paul Cain was preaching. I was really honored in our city because the first thing Bill Johnson did when he came is he brought me up and started to honor me for being a voice and faithful in the city. And the people for the first time in all my ministry, over 2,000 at that first conference we did, stood on their feet and were applauded. I'd never had that before. I didn't need it anymore. See, God will bring accolades when you don't need it anymore. Can you say amen? But I was sitting on the second row right behind Bill because that's where I always where I like to sit. I like to sit back a little bit and put a little prayer cover. And I like to kind of view the crowd. I like to see what's going on. Kind of hear the heart of the Lord with what's going on. Some of you is getting readjusted right now. Some of you seeing I need to readjust in my grace level, especially if you're a leader. But here's the deal. I'm sitting there, and I said, Lord, I'd sure like to have a word from Paul Cain. How many in here like to have a word from Paul Cain? Oh, come on, get that lion spirit off of you. Everybody would, if you know who he is. I mean, the first meeting I went with him, he was calling people out. I was in another building, and he was calling out when they were crying. I thought, man, he's the real deal. Lights were blowing out in the room. That's power. I mean, say amen. <laughs> oh, I love the hour we're in. I love we're in this day where God's restoring everything. Can you say amen? I love seeing these young ones with more fire, more passion, more revelation that took me 30 years to get. I love it. But here's the deal. I sit right there. And I said, Lord, I'd sure like you to have. Because we had about 1,000 people, maybe 1,500 at that conference. And uh, I was still licking the wounds of my journey. What Bill wrote in there wasn't, wasn't untrue. I had to stand because as a Baptist I was told all my life that prophets are dead, and here I am with this gift working in me and thinking, what the crap's wrong with me? And they wanted to fit me in the evangelist because that would fit, because I could win people to Jesus. But, man, when people walk in, you knew they're male. How do you put that in your theology when you don't have it in your church that you've been taught in? That's why I'm big on this stuff. I love people knocking the walls down. But I was sitting there, and I said, Lord, I'd like to have a word from Paul Cain. And I'm going to tell you honestly what I thought. I said, Lord, I would like to have a word from Paul Cain to prove to these all people, even though I know it, and a few of my close friends know it, prove I'm a prophet of you. I'm being honest with you. Now, I didn't go around blabbing it. See, here's the deal. If you're a prophet apostle, you don't have to go around blabbing it. 
David never called himself a prophet until the people said he was. Even though he was declared 17 years before. Now here's the deal. I'm sitting there. I said, and I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. My wife said, hurry up. I'd like to have a word from Paul Cain. You know what the Lord told me? He said, I can do that. And then I heard silence for a minute because I was getting positioned to get that word because he was only just from here to you, away from me. And then the Lord said, I can have him give you the word or how would you like me to give you a word? And it took me back. What would your answer be to that? Who would you want the word from? Come on, somebody shout it out to me. From him. I'm going to prophesy you today. The Lord's going to start speaking to some of you that's never heard the word of the Lord. As I share the rest of this story, your ears are going to be open. Your theology is going to break that's blocked you and got cobwebs in your head. And God's about to release a flow of His voice into your heart and into your mind. But I sat there and He said, I said, Lord, I want it from you. He said, okay, I'm going to tell you what I'll give you, son. See, He'll either call you by your name or He'll call you son. There's not more of an honorable thing a father could call you but son. And I said, Lord. And I thought a minute. And I thought, well, I'll give the right biblical answer because I'm a good trained Baptist boy. And I thought, well, I'm going to ask for the wisdom of Solomon. And the Lord kind of chuckled and said, that's not really what you want. And then I started to weep. And he said, what do you really want? And I'm just going to bring this real short. I think this is where I'll bring it to a close. I started really contending to the Lord. What do I really want? Like when you ask me, share your passion. It makes you think. It makes you refocus. And as I started to think, you see... My dad went home to be with Jesus about eight years ago. My dad was the first Christian in four generations. My dad, when he gave his heart to Jesus, he didn't need a 12-step program. He quit smoking, he quit cussing, and followed Jesus with all his heart. My dad loved me, my brother, and my two sisters that I can't even describe the depth of love my father gave me. But here was the amazing thing about my earthly dad was that all of our friends, and none of us ever thought it was unusual, all of my friends, my brother and my sisters, would come to my dad because they didn't have any fathers. And they would come to my dad, and he would give them the wisdom of God. And I seen him do that year after year, one at a time. And when he was about to pass on to be with Jesus, <laughs> see, the Lord even let me pray for him and gave him another five years when he was supposed to die. Had a heart attack, and the Lord rose him up. But that's a whole other story. But God rose him up in the five years. But when he was about to die, the hospital filled up with all these guys, many of them preachers, politicians, leaders, cops. My dad administered to one at a time. See, my dad never liked to speak in front of people. I'm more like my grandpa. He was a spokesman. But my dad was real bashful and real quiet. 
But boy, when he spoke to you, you knew that he spoke a word of hope. And I see him time after time go to people that were at the end of the road, especially preachers, say, you're going to make it, son. I stand with you. The whole church is against you. I stand with you. That's where I learned. I don't care how wrong the preacher is. I'll never come against him because he's God's person, a father in the house to help lead the place into a new day. I mean, say amen. But I kept seeing my dad and I started weeping. I'd already lost him at that time. And, and I started weeping. And I said, Lord, all I want is to be like my dad. I want to be like my dad, Lord. And my dad wasn't perfect. But my dad was, I can't even describe what a great man he was. And I fell on my face and I started to weep. And I wept for 45 minutes. And they kept preaching. And this is the amazing thing that happened. When I got up off the floor... And I was thanking the Lord, Lord, that's all I really want. I want to be like my dad. I had a line of people, a hundred deep on each side, that started to thank me for being a father to them. And it's never stopped. It's never, because that's all I want. I want to be a father. I'm going to tell you, leaders of churches have got to be fathers. They don't need to get the label. They need to be a father. And you know, here's the deal about a father. If you're a real father, it doesn't bother you one bit that your kids are more anointed than you. You want to release them. How many say amen? I'm not threatened. And here's the, you know, my kids, and and this is where I'm going to close. I'm just going to pray for everybody, and this is where we're going to end. And I think I'm right on time, I hope. Am I all right, Zach? I feel like God wants to release a father's heart to everyone in here. I feel like, and I'm not going to lay hands on it. I think the Lord's going to do that. For the sake of time, I don't have to. The Holy Spirit's here to touch you. So what I want you to do, I just want you to stand up right where you are. And like I said, as a man, if I can be a hairy-legged bride, you ladies can be fathers. Because it's about the nature. And I'm going to tell you what that all comes down to. It all comes down to Jesus. It all comes down to Jesus because you don't know the Father unless you know Jesus. And you've got to let Jesus become more real to reveal the part of His identity that shows you the Father. Does that make sense? I don't, you know what I want you to do? I just want you to lay hands or grab hands or something. Do some kind of an act that you feel led of the Lord, either on yourself or somebody else. And just say, Lord, we receive the Father's heart. Let us be a people that will release the Father's heart to our generation. Let this be a demarcation today that I'd quit struggling for acceptance. See, when you're a father, see what we had during the Jesus movement was sons trying to father sons, and they were still sons. But now God's let those young men who are in the Jesus movement, the Jesus movement, season of the 60s and 70s now they're fathers now they're going to begin to release you and release the father heart in you so Lord I just pray that you'd fill this place I mean I love what he's doing I don't know if you get anything else on that Zach just release the father's heart all over this room many of you have never had a father here's what I'm going to tell you this is the last thing the Lord told me to tell you find a spiritual father 
I've had lots of discussions. When I first started talking about fathers, he said, oh, the Catholics do that. No, the Bible does that. But there's some hero, some father that you need to identify with. And I've even had discussions with other fathers. They said, well, the only sons I have are the ones that I disciple. Well, then you don't know who Jesus is or the Father is because all of us are adopted sons and daughters. And I'm going to say to you, you need to find who's your spiritual father. I'm going to ask you today, who's your spiritual father? Because sons seek fathers. Fathers have some naturally, even in the spirit realm. But sons seek fathers. And you know why I can hear God? Because I had such a good dad. I can hear his voice. And I want you to hear his voice this morning. I mean, I can go around the room and I can see fathers all over this room. How many of you sense you got that father heart and you just lift your hands up? Lord, let fresh fire breathe on these fathers in this room. I'm praying that we'll get a revelation of what fathering is. It's not just a position. It's where honor begins is in the Father. And as these fathers are birthed, I pray that they raise up many, many sons and daughters that we'll see a generation that just doesn't go to a school, that just doesn't go to a meeting, but are touched by a father. And this is the last statement I'm going to say. When my kids started to see me move as a prophet... They always, I always scared them because I always knew things about their friends that they didn't want to tell me. But when we got a little older, I asked them, I said, what do you want me to prophesy to you? And boy, this was a revelation to me. You know what my kids told me? Dad, we don't need a word. We just need you. We just love hanging out with you. Why don't we be the father generation that all people's got to do is hang out with us? Can you say Amen. Thank you, Lord. Whew. There's a lot more, but that's where I'm going to end. And I honor what God's doing. It's happening in this city. I, I got a word for Washington. Washington's going to catch on fire. I was just up there last week. I did some meetings up in Camas, Washington. I've ministered there over the last 20 years. There's a fire about to be released all over Washington. There's something going to happen in the midst of all the rain. There's a fresh fire. But God's going to kill that yuppie spirit. He's going to kill because that yuppie spirit's nothing but an arrogant spirit that's pumped off of your intellect, not off of your heart. Can you say amen? I hope I'm not offending anybody, but it's the truth. I feel like God's going to do something, but God's working with your character. He's bringing people in your life that's offending you. Why? So you can be a father that won't be offended. Can you say amen? No weapon formed against me will prosper. For the God of peace is crushing Satan underneath your feet. And I prophesy all over this place that these meetings have been a demarcation, a fire torch, a brand of love that's hit your heart from every speaker. And I pray that everything won't just produce fruit, but it'll produce not 30, not 60, but 100-fold. I mean, say amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. I honor you. Thank you, guys. I'm done.